Hey listeners, what you're about to hear is a special episode of the Daily Football Briefing with David Ornstein, rounding up all the biggest stories from Deadline Day. If you like what you hear, you can check out the Daily Football Briefing every weekday morning wherever you get your podcasts. The biggest football stories in 10 minutes, all before you finish your first coffee of the day. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Saturday, the 2nd of September. I'm Mike Zimmerman, and today we're asking, can Mo Salah still move to Saudi? They believe he's going nowhere. However, it's not case closed in the eyes of the Saudis. Has Manchester United found their midfield linchpin? There is a loan fee of 10 million euros. That brings Eric Ten Hag the midfield target that he wanted. And did Spurs do enough in the transfer window? They wanted to bring in another defender, but wasn't possible because there were no midfield departures. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Mike Zimmerman. Welcome into a special transfer deadline special here on the Daily Football Briefing. With so many twists and turns the past two months, we can finally dive in with the dust settled. And there's nobody better to do that than the Athletics' David Ornstein. David, we'll start with Mohamed Salah. Liverpool rejected a bid in excess of 100 million euros, that's over $107 million, from Saudi side Al-Ittihad. The Anfield club reiterated the 31-year-old is not for sale. But what can you tell us about the interest from Al-Ittihad? Well, the interest was real, it was concrete, it is ongoing. The big question was, will it manifest itself in an actual offer? Because that had not happened. There was a bit of an expectation that it would come. Um, and then bang, on deadline day, we revealed exclusively on The Athletic that um, a verbal offer had been made by the Saudis uh, on behalf of Al Ittihad Club um, on Thursday night, so the eve of deadline day, to Mike Gordon, the Fenway Sports Group president and Liverpool director. It was more of a conversation, a discussion led by the Saudi side. Uh, It wasn't really a negotiation because Liverpool had nothing to negotiate. They rejected it out of hand. Uh, They had no interest in entertaining it or countering it with uh, an offer of their own because they see Mo Salah as not being for sale. They believe he's going nowhere. And so in their view and mind, that was case closed. However, it's not case closed in the eyes of the Saudis because their interest remains. They could continue their pursuit until their own window closes on the 7th of September, or they might come back to this at a later date, whether that be in January or the summer. Um, Liverpool clearly didn't feel that the money that was being suggested was anything for them to think seriously about. Perhaps that money will now go higher and Liverpool's resolve will be tested further. Uh, But they see him as probably their best player, arguably their most important. Yes, they've got other attacking talent. Yes, many would have said cash in. He's 31 years old. He's only got two years left on his contract, but they're standing firm. And Mo Salah's views are something we don't really know in truth because his agent did say earlier this month when the rumours started that we wouldn't have signed that new three-year contract if uh, we intended to go after one year. Uh, But this time, when the rumours came back again, uh, they didn't move to deny anything, and we're led to believe some discussions have taken place involving his representatives. Now, they could argue that they're keeping their counsel and 
Mohamed Salah is trying to show respect to Liverpool. He doesn't want to tarnish his legacy, um, but that has allowed the speculation to mount, and I suspect it's not going to go away. Is the most likely outcome here that Salah stays this season at Liverpool and moves on next summer? I've felt for a while now that that is the most likely outcome. It's not saying it's the definite outcome because I've given up predicting this industry. You just never say never. And you, if there's one thing we can be certain of, it's that the Saudis are not short of ambition nor money. And so they could continue to push and try and uh, turn his head and even convince Liverpool. Um, but... You know, when there were reports arising that an agreement was set to be reached and Salah was going to fly for a medical, I was always told that that was not accurate. And the expectation is that the window will shut or the windows will shut. Uh, Salah will still be a Liverpool player and he'll continue to give his all. That was certainly the perspective of his club, Liverpool. My feeling, uh, for what it's worth, and I could be proved completely wrong, is that Mo Salah will stay for this season and help Liverpool try and compete for domestic honours and get back into Champions League and see where things go from there. Clearly, he will have been tempted. Staying in Northwest England, Sofian Amrabat is heading to Old Trafford as Manchester United have reached a season-long loan agreement with Fiorentina. United have been linked with the Morocco International all summer, but have finally struck a deal with the Serie A club that does include an option to buy. David, what are the details and why was it so important for Eric Ten Hag to get Amrabat, let alone a midfielder? So the details of the deal are that Manchester United are taking Sofian Amrabat on a season-long loan. Uh, that does include an option to buy. There is a loan fee of 10 million euros. The option to buy is for 20 million euros with an additional 5 million euros in add-ons. He was in Italy at the start of the day uh, because Manchester United had not struck an agreement with Fiorentina. They had had at least one offer rejected, perhaps more. Their director of football negotiations, Matt Hargreaves, flew over to Italy to try and bring about a breakthrough and secure a deal and then put him on a private jet back to Manchester to finish his medical and complete the signing. But it was protracted. It took time. Uh, Fiorentina was standing firm. Uh, but in the end, uh, they did manage to make some progress. And Sofian Amrabat did his medical, performed his media duties. Uh, the deal terms were finalised, which will see Manchester United pay all of his salary, uh, as I understand it. And... That brings Eric Ten Hag the midfield target that he wanted. He had a really good World Cup in Qatar. I watched a lot of him. He built a good reputation, but he didn't move the following month. And there was every chance that he didn't move again this summer because Fiorentina had him under contract for a year with an additional 12 months. Uh, they did offer him to other clubs. I think they were trying to create a market and drive up the price, but he only had eyes for Manchester United and now he'd be available to them for at least one season. And where will Amrabat play in Ten Hag's system? Yeah, you see him slotting into the centre of that midfield. He's not young, 27 years old, so you could say that's in his prime. He, he is not known for being the explosive type, but he is actually a dynamic midfielder. Uh, we've seen quite a lot of him, especially at international level. Colleagues of mine have watched him more closely at domestic level. Um, and he will help set the tempo, dictate play, 
His passing's good, he can defend well, he's got good physique. But in these early weeks of the season, they did seem to be lacking something in the middle of the park. And now with Sofian Amrabat there, it fills the gap and some because I think he's a, a good player and uh, an impressive recruit. You're listening to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. As Manchester United bolstered their midfield, Ange Postacoglu and Tottenham reinforced their attacking options by agreeing to a fee of 47.5 million euros, or $60.3 million, with Nottingham Forest for the signing of Brennan Johnson. The 22-year-old Welsh international is set to sign a five-year contract with the option of a further 12 months. David, after weeks of negotiations, Postacoglu finally gets his man. And that was his number one target. He made that clear to the Tottenham hierarchy and they sought to deliver on it. They were offered Ansu Fati from Barcelona. Uh, So were other clubs like Chelsea. They did consider it, but ultimately uh, they didn't go forward with it. They were looking for a slightly different profile, both Tottenham, Chelsea and probably others. Uh, Brighton took advantage of that to pull off one of the deals of the summer. The profile that Ange Postacoglu wanted was that of Brennan Johnson. And so it was all about trying to reach an agreement on the fee. Nottingham Forest, Evangelos Maranakis, their owner, wanted £50 million. Tottenham were never keen to pay that. Um, but there was progress bit by bit. Uh, those involved um, appear to have done a, a pretty good job. The fee is seemingly to everybody's liking, £47.5 million fixed, no add-ons. I think there's a 10% sell-on clause to uh, Nottingham Forest that will apply to any future sale. This intriguing player in his early 20s, Wales international, we've seen glimpses of what he can do, but now is the chance for... Tottenham to benefit from him doing it on the top stage. It's a five-year contract with an option of a further 12 months, so they've locked him down and um, will hope that he flourishes. Were there any holdups preventing them from signing anyone else? Yeah, there were players who didn't want to leave. They include Hugo Lloris, deemed the opportunities presented to him. I think it was Newcastle, Nice and somebody else. Uh, not right. Pierre-Emile Hoivier is another one, very heavily linked with Atletico Madrid, with Fulham and others, but ultimately decided to stay put. Davinson Sanchez, Eric Dyer, all of these players, Tottenham, I think, would have liked to move on. There were opportunities for them to go, but the window shut and they remained at the club and it was a real problem. They wanted to bring in another defender. I think they quite like Per Schurz at Torino, but wasn't possible because there were no midfield departures. It was almost like inadvertently stockpiling. Tottenham wanted them to go, but they're now sort of lumbered with them. And you know, there's a bit of disquiet internally, I'm sure, at why some of these players didn't move and it limited Tottenham's ability to work in the market. Um, but in time, I think they'll be confident of rebuilding this squad under Ange Postacoglu. It'll take a few windows to get more bodies out. Maybe they have to be creative on some of the ways in which they try and get rid of them. We've seen how Arsenal have done it in recent history of terminating players' contracts, paying them off. Um, But they think they're onto a good thing with Ange Postacoglu. The quality of the team, the camaraderie, the spirit, his impact around the club in the dressing room, in training ground, stadium, is said to be very impressive. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the special transfer deadline episode. Please be sure to check out theathletic.com for every detail from this past European transfer window, as well as in-depth coverage from the world of football. I've been Mike Zimmerman. The executive producer was Ian McIntosh. And a special thanks to David Ornstein. If you're with us for the first time, make sure you hit that follow button on your podcast app and tell your friends about us too. 
Tim Spears will be back here on Monday to recap all the football from the weekend. Until then, have a good one. The Athletic.